Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wabarakatuh Welcome back to the airwaves of The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM and 95.8 in the Borland uh, Just a reminder to our listeners that we will be opening the lines for this particular discussion But not now, but we at some stage we will be opening the lines But you the listener are welcome to join in the discussion uh, You can send us an SMS to the number 47913 SMS line 47913 Alternatively via WhatsApp on the number 0722 0712. That number again, 072-238-0712. Now, on the program, The Burning Issue this evening, uh, it is something we've been discussing quite often on The Burning Issue, and that is the issue around gender-based violence in South Africa. The issue has received renewed attention of the Deputy Minister of Higher Education, Mduduzi Manana, admitted to assaulting a woman, a woman after footage emerged across several media platforms of this particular incident. It is apparently not the first such incident as other women have made similar reports of his conduct to the South African Police Services. After some pressure for him to be fired as Deputy Minister, he in turn resigned from his position over the weekend. There have been other high-profile cases of gender violence, the latest being Zimbabwe's First Lady Grace Mugabe, who assaulted a young model. She escaped prosecution after the South African Department of International Relations granted her, wait for it, diplomatic immunity. The bottom line is that the system from the courts to the Department of Social Development through to the South African Police Services are inundated with matters involving violation of women's rights. But many people believe the government appears to be reluctant or unable to enforce laws so that these offenders can be punished, especially when some of the perpetrators are high-profile politicians. Some gender activists say it almost seems futile to celebrate Women's Month, as is done annually against the backdrop of an almost all-out war against South African women. Our question tonight, when will the impunity against women and again, you, our listener, welcomed to participate in the program by sending us your question or comment via the SMS line at 47913. Alternatively, via WhatsApp on the number 072-238-0712. Now, joining me in the studio for this particular discussion, I am joined in studio by Zarina Majid, who is the Advocacy Manager at Mosaic uh, Training Service and Healing Center for Women. Uh, Zarina, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. And then uh, joining Zarina in studio, we have Sizwe Kulue, who is a program manager for championing health for all in Africa at Waki Health. Uh, Sizwe, very good evening to you. Good evening. Uh, thanks for being with us. And then we are also joined in studio by Shiham Samai, if I'm correct, uh, the director for Women Legal Center. Shiham, uh, assalamu alaikum, welcome. Assalamu alaikum to all the listeners. Okay, shukran for being with us in studio. So let's get this discussion going. Let's just first start with Zarina very quickly. Uh, Zarina, maybe just a bit of background in terms of, you know, your role as advocacy manager uh, there at Mosaic. Um, so I just want to start off perhaps by saying that I work for an organization called Mosaic Training Service and Healing Center for Women. Um, where I do um, the advocacy and lobbying work. So the organization focuses on the field of gender-based violence and so it offers a range of programs that addresses gender-based violence. So amongst others, um, we have our court support program that um, in which we are based in 16 courts in the Western Cape and in Gauteng. 
um, and that is helping um, victims of gender-based violence who go to the courts to apply for protection orders. We also do social services um, where we assist couples um, with intimate partner violence counselling mm-hmm. um, and these are normally the women that come out of abusive relationships requesting some assistance um, for themselves. Um, very often not so much in terms of ending the relationship but in terms of getting assistance for themselves and for partners as well um, and then of course very importantly also our to Tuzela Care Centres so the organisation has four to Tuzela Care Centres um, based in four district hospitals um, also in the Western Cape where we assist um, v- victims of sexual violence um, that are either brought in um, by the police um, or that will make contact um, with our officers themselves. Um, and then our Stepping Stones program that basically looks at um, working with young people, young men, young ladies, um, looking at transforming um, gender norms in communities. And so that's over the three-month period. Mm-hmm. I think the word Stepping Stones somehow is familiar to me. It's like I've heard it somewhere. And I think it has to do with, with kiddies or youngsters or teenagers or something. It has to do with, with young people. With young yes, people, it has yeah. to do with okay. young people mm-hmm. and trying to, to challenge um, gender norms and so on and trying mm-hmm. to de- deconstruct um, those as well. Mm-hmm. Like shukran for that and as we said uh, that is uh, Zarina Majid uh, Advocacy Manager at Mosaic. Let's hear from, from Sizwe very quickly. She's with Waki Health. Uh, Sizwe, uh, welcome again and maybe just, uh, you know, what does your role entail there? Okay, thank you so much. Uh, my role in Waki Health, I'm a program manager. If I can just say a bit, Waki Health is a regional organization with offices here in South Africa, Nairobi and Addis Ababa. We have three st- uh, strategic goals as an organization, which are resources for health, research and development, and civic engagement. Then in, c- in civic ed- engagement, it's where we support and capacita- capacitate civil society organizations. And then that's broadly where we look at the programs. And one of the main programs that we're looking at is HIV. Mm-hmm. And for us, we, we you cannot look at HIV without looking at the intersection between HIV and gender-based violence. So that's that's the part I come into gender-based violence campaign here in South Africa. Okay, on that note, we're going to go Thank for a you. quick ad break. And when we come back, we'll continue with the burning issue. Welcome back to the burning issue and our question this evening, when will the impunity against women end? Now if you have just joined us, I am joined in the studio by Zarina Majid, Sizwet Kulue and also Shiham Samai. Now as we said, Shiham is the director for the Women Legal Center. Uh, Shiham, welcome and assalamu alaikum once again. Maybe just a bit of your role there at the Women Center and how long you've been involved with them. Yes, um, I've been at the Women Legal Center now for a year. Um, but the Women Legal Center is a is a, a legal center that advances and promotes the rights of women, but primarily through strategic litigation. So we provide legal advice 
access to women free of charge, but mostly around cases which we believe there should be broader development in relation to maybe um, legislation policy around uh, violence against women. So most of the key cases or constitutional litigation cases has been done by the um, Women Legal Center, mm-hmm. um, where we primarily focused around um, the development of the, the common law around violence against women, and we also looked at how to provide um, a broader uh, um, protection for women, and also to ensure that there's due diligence standards in relation to violence against women is actually enforced by government. I think that for us is very important, because the perpetrators, if you just know, it's just it's arrest. They need to go through the criminal justice system, but these different role players and the challenge that we're sitting with is that we can have more than 54,000 of of matters that goes through that people are laying charges and that that is just people that are coming forward mm. and then if they go just being reported and when they get through the criminal justice system it's actually most probably seven percent of those that are convicted so what is happening so gender-based violence is a scourge it's something that we need to look at and for from the women legal center side the challenge is it's all about accountability because we you might we might use multiple strategies and work with different mm-hmm. people in terms of advocacy, but we do believe that um, the uh, parliament needs to be accountable and leadership needs to be accountable in relation to, the, to what they project. Because fundamentally where gender-based violence is concerned, it's all about perception yeah. and just also about how behavior, because we can put people through the court system, but if we don't change behaviors within our communities, it, it, it's a ba- it will be an ongoing battle. So we, we believe that there needs to be joint strategies between a women legal center, mosaic, people that are on the ground to be able to ensure that women are also not sent from pillar to post when seeking the state to be able to help them. Now why, I'm just coming back again, why it's so important for us to have issued a letter where we said that the president must keep the deputy president accountable in relation to his actions because what he projects is what people on the ground emulate. Mm. Because if there's impunity, the people already don't have any faith in the criminal justice system. So the Women Legal Center, we don't just concentrate on violence against women. We also concentrate on the relationship rights, which is why we are fighting for equal um, resources within marriage, within relationship for all women. Why? Because with resources, that is also another form and a barrier for women to be able to move forward. So it's relationship rights. We're looking at sexual health and reproductive rights. We also look at vulnerable workers. Um, And then we also look at um, matters which impacts on land and housing. Because if women do not have resources and they're not secure within their relationships, these are all forms of um, that contributes to gender-based violence because it disproportionately impacts on women if they can't access their resources. So those are the type of cases that we that we do. And we also look at the criminal justice system and their failures. Mm-hmm. And we need to ensure that women that go through the system, that there's no forms of secondary victimization. It takes so much for a woman to actually get to the court 
it, it's a, to, to be able to say I am going to lay a charge and when they get into that particular court to go through the system and to be victimized because people are not um, you know, assisting them properly. Mm-hmm. And, so, and maybe just hold some of that thoughts. Maybe we, throughout the program, inshallah, we'll have an opportunity, you know, to share a bit more around that. Let me just remind our listeners that on the burning issue this evening, we're looking at gender-based violence, and we ask the question: When will the impunity against women stop? Now, there's an SMS here from six nine four five, and what's a WhatsApp message? It says, "Assalamu alaikum, welcome to South Africa." Another one says, Assalamu alaikum. It appears that maintaining good relations with your neighbor is way more important than justice for a person wronged. So granting the perpetrator diplomatic immunity says very little for the South African authorities. And then it was stated that the minister agonized over his decision. Oh well, what did one expect from our esteemed government? Shame, and that comes from Brother Mags. Well, a very big shukran to our listeners for their participation. Uh, we're going very quickly towards the Wakt of Isha, inshallah. I just want to ask Shiham one question. I see that the uh, Women's Legal Center, uh, you are on a committee that's looking at ending impunity for violence against women campaign, which was launched this week. Maybe just share that with us quickly. What is the campaign about? And then we'll hear from the others if they are aware of it. Well, the campaign is actually not in the Western Cape. We're launching it in in, in um, Johannesburg, okay. where we are looking at um, cases um, where we're asking attorneys to come to centers like Power mm. and Chwaranang, as well as the Women Legal Center, and uh, to ask women what was their experiences by going through the criminal justice system. Mm. We are looking at broader, because the important thing for us is that government needs to be held accountable in particularly SAPs as well as the NPA. And if there's any form of secondary victimization, we um, want to bring damages claims against the state because our challenge is that the court at this point in time has become one of the only structures that can really assist some of these women. Then we are also going to then analyze those statements to look at the broader case to see how is it that we can ensure that that the state um, implement due diligence standards in relation to violence against women. So we're doing it in the um, in Johannesburg, but we are bringing it down, obviously, to the Western Cape. Mm-hmm. And then we are calling on volunteer lawyers to come give their pro bono time, to come give legal advice to these women. Mm-hmm. Can I maybe um, just get a, a comment from Zarina on that? Um, we're going to be chatting around what Mosaic is, yeah, for example, doing. Yes. And I know there's something in collaboration between Mosaic and, um, and Waki. Uh, but just maybe to comment on what Shiam was saying, what is your sense around that? I think that is such a critical thing that, that the Women's Legal Center is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, from our campaign side as well, we've had the same issues where we are also in the process of collecting case studies on where the state has failed our women, whether that has been at SAPS level, mm-hmm. police services, or at court level. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing exactly the same that they are doing. Um, and Shiam and, and, and I, or our organizations, belong to the same campaigns. So we'll touch base around that um, soon enough. Okay, let's hear from Sijwe very quickly, your quick comment on what Shihama said. Okay, 
I also think it is a very important work, especially in terms of bringing the legal aspect mm. to it. Because we, we find out we, when you work on the ground that there's a pile of cases mm. in terms of gender-based violence or violence against women that are there, that are not prioritized. And in the long run, women just get tired and there's no justice that being done. So if they have a, a, a backbone or a, a fallback to a legal assistance, I think it will be a great deal in, in bringing justice to women. Okay, well, we're asking our listeners, do stay tuned then to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM and 95.8. Uh, just to say that we will then continue our discussion here. And the question we're asking, when will the impunity against women end? And our discussion further centers around gender-based violence. And for that discussion this evening, we are joined in studio by Shiham Samai, who is the director for the Women Legal Center. We have Sizwe Kuluwe, a program manager for Championing Health at Waki Health. And then we also have Zadina Majid, who is an advocacy manager at Mosaic. For now, we break for the Wakta Visha, and when we come back, we'll continue with the burning issue. The burning issue with Ridwan Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Welcome back to the airwaves of The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM and 95.8 in the Boland. As we said earlier, Alhamdulillah, it is Monday, the 21st of August 2017, and that corresponds with the 28th of the Al-Qaeda 1438. Just a reminder to our listeners that you can participate in the program by sending us your question or comment via the SMS line, and that is 47913. Alternatively, via what? app on the number 072-238-0712 and then later we'll be opening the lines on the number 021-442-3530 so before I get into the segment again uh, the message here from 6581 is there a problem pick it up okay now we're going to sort that one out inshallah um Okay, we seem to be having a bit of a challenge with our messages coming through, uh, but do try and we'll deal with them as we get through, inshallah. Now, as we mentioned earlier on the program, Deputy Higher Education Minister Mduduzi Manana was accused of assaulting Mandisa Duma, but wasn't formally arrested. There has been public outrage over what many feel has been the dragging of feet by the police in Manana's arrest. He appeared in court just over a week ago and was granted 5,000 rand bail. At the same time, the Department of International Relations granted Zimbabwe First Lady Grace Mugabe immunity yesterday. This is after she was accused of assaulting Gabriela Engels on the head with a cord at a hotel in Santon, Johannesburg. Every forum says the South African government has let the victim down by deciding to protect somebody that is being accused of a violent crime. Naturally, South Africans are outraged unless government, the judiciary and the police display the determination and the political will to remove women's rights from the back burner and prioritize victims and their rights. We will fail in the fight against gender-based violence. Now, in studio, we have Shiham Samai, who is the director for the Women Legal Center. We have Sizwe Kulue, who is a program manager for Championing Health at Waki Health. And we also have Zarina Majid, who is an advocacy manager at Mosaic. Now, let's start with Zarina, as we did earlier on. Uh, Zarina, 
you said you've given us a bit of background into mosaic all you guys are doing but as regards gender-based violence you know what programs or are you guys busy with at the moment um, as I mentioned before, the organization has the, the four different programs. As I said, the court support program, um, our social services program, our Tutuzela care centers, and then, of course, the advocacy programs. And all these programs um, speaks to address gender-based violence. So the vision of the organization is very simple, um, and that is to see a society free of gender-based violence at the rate that we're going at at the moment. That doesn't seem to be very realistic. Um, and given the cases that you have just mentioned now, and these are only two, mm-hmm. um, there are many, many other cases, as Shyam says, um, that goes unreported. So for an organization like Mosaic, um, this month, Women's Month, is a very important month, but this is what we do for 365 mm. days of the year. Mm. Um, and I think and that's very important. I mean, it's not only concentrated during this time of, that's right. of the year. That's right. And I think a lot of media attention has been given to it. I don't necessarily think that there's been a spike in the, in the levels of GBV, but the media, the coverage of that, there's been a spike in that, and, and that has started with the murders of our children. If one looks at by the 19th of May, we already had 19 children killed mm-hmm. in the Western Cape. So it becomes difficult to separate violence against women and violence against children. So the organization is continuously striving to address gender-based violence through any and all of the programs that the organization mm-hmm. has. Well, I want to hear from Sizwe, but before I do, there's an, a message here from 9329. It says, Assalamu alaikum. Just a thought. Why not bring a few offenders on the radio so they can tell their stories why they did the abuse? Well, that's an interesting thought. Then, once again, yeah. a very big shukran to all our listeners for their participation. Sizwe, uh, let's hear from you, Waki Health. You know, what are you guys busy with in terms of uh, gender based violence? Okay, thank you. Um, as Waki Health, what we're busy on, on in South Africa, it's a campaign that is called Stop Gender-Based Violence, a national campaign. Mm-hmm. But it's not the campaign that is only run by WAKI, but a collection of civil society organizations. Um, the campaign started in 2014, and the main purpose of the campaign was that to see the accelerating rate of gender-based violence in South Africa. So we say we need to make sure that in terms of uh, violence, we encompass everybody. We're not only focusing on women, but we're focusing on men, women, boys, and girls, and not uh, uh, leaving uh, outside anybody. So we also uh, encompass the, the LGBTQI society to, 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 to look at the broader sense of gender-based violence. Uh, the campaign, its main focus is to make sure that there's an implementation in terms of the laws and the policies of gender-based violence. Because in South Africa, what we usually see, we have a very good policies on paper, but when it comes to implementation, not, nothing is being done. So hence, we're pushing for that. We need to have a national strategic plan focusing on, on gender-based violence that is costed, that is implemented. Mm-hmm. So that's the main focus that we do throughout the year, but not only in September, which is the Women's Month, or in November when there's 16 days of a- activism. 
Okay. Well, I like the issue around paper versus implementation, and maybe it's something that we should be looking at. Uh, but for now, let's go for a quick ad break, and when we come back, we'll continue with the burning issue here on The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. Welcome back and if you have just joined us the question on the burning issue when will the impunity against women end gender-based violence and we are in women's month now joining me for this discussion we have Shiham Samai, Sizuet Kulue and Zirina Majid again we invite you the listener to participate in the program by sending us your question or comment via the SMS line and that's 47913 alternatively via WhatsApp on the number 072-238-0712 now let's uh, speak to uh, Shiham Samai very quickly Shiham I believe that in a statement for example the uh, Women Legal Center believes that unless government, the judiciary and the police display the determination and the political will to remove women's rights from the back burner and prioritize victims and their rights, women will continue to shoulder unfair burdens. Maybe just your quick comment or elaboration on that. Yes, let me just come back. I mean, I think w- one of the, the challenges firstly is that politicians or I would even say any deployed cadre Um, There must be champions of gender equality and they must be able to effectively respond to the needs and interests of women. Which means that because if they are not champions of gender equality, it means in terms of composition, structure, operations, methods of work, um, you know, we won't be able to bring the changes. We can have the 50-50, but the challenges is that we need gender-sensitive politicians who will be able to remove the barriers of women's full participation, um, you know, within government, different structures, mm. even within the communities. So we need positive role models to the society at large. I think it, it's challenging for us if we are within the criminal justice system, but we have people that don't understand the psych of what a victim or survivor has to go through. And if they don't understand those challenges, women are going to be victimized through that particular process. Mm-hmm. In the community, we cannot have our community members saying, let's mediate, let's talk about this particular matter. We need to be able to say when something happens, the, 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 they need to be able to report those particular cases because there is the, the, we need to be able to address the chronic inability of, the, of SAPs to respond to violence against women. And we're not going to be able to do that if our communities are also not supportive of these of these women and I would say survivors because I'm telling you now if these women reach the court system I don't call them a victim any longer I call them a survivor <laughs> because to be able to go up against your in, your entire community and your family and to be able to say I am going to take on this particular perpetrator then you get into the system and then you have authorities which act in such a way that perpetrators are not held accountable, like your Mananas, like your Grace, um, uh, um, uh, you know, yes, Mugabe. And, and, and what does that reflect in our communities? There's a failure to investigate, ineffective prosecutions, failure to punish. 
Which what message are we sending our women? So we are saying then there are then there is messaging that says we have a criminal justice system, which which there is already a general mistrust, but mm. there's a failure to be able to act to ensure that the law take its course. Mm-hmm. And that perception we need to be able to change and it means that Leadership needs to be able to take that responsibility. We have now, if leadership don't speak out, it means that um, in our communities, gender-based violence have now been socially normalized. It's becoming to be legitimized. And it's also accompanied by a whole, um, uh, uh, there's this silence. And with silence come impunity. Mm. And I think we need to be able to keep our politicians, our leaderships, wherever they are, accountable if they do not speak out against gender-based violence. Mm. Can I ask Zarina yeah. maybe just to comment on what uh, Shihamid just said? And one can hear yeah. that these guests in studio really speak with a lot of passion uh, and enthusiasm and they're really wanting to effect change. Zarina? I think it's, it must be one of the most difficult things for a woman to do. To get up and to say enough is enough i am the only one who can make a difference Mm. for myself and perhaps my children as well so to make contact with any form of legal system whether that is just going to the police Mm. i'm not being sure at all whether you're going to be assisted or not um, and then escalating that to court level where you're walking in an environment that is completely hostile for a lot of women this is the first time that I'm going to court. Mm. Can I maybe just ask a question? So what support then is there for, for yeah. women? I understood that at police, say, uh, police, what do we call them? The police they ha- station, the, uh, they yeah. should have a room there. A victim empowerment, uh, empowerment, a victim and friendly room. Or something. That's called now. Okay. Um, and so police stations are meant to have that. Mm. And it's meant to serve the purpose that that is for. So very often they might have a room like that okay. um, where victims are supposed to be seen by um, victim supporters and those would normally be your NGOs. That would not be from the police force. So if an NGO has the funding, they will actually mm. operate those rooms as well. Um, unfortunately, that is not always the case. Those rooms are used for everything else mm. except for victim support. Mm-hmm. Um, so NGOs play a very important role there. And then, of course, you get to the court um, mm. support system um, where it's basically the same. So NGOs like Mosaic, like Rape Crisis, like Elita Labantu, those are the organizations through funding that they have sourced themselves will go into the courts and assist that victim to apply for a protection order. The clerks are there to meant to help them, and our services are supposed to supplement the service mm-hmm. um, of the court system. It doesn't happen that way, so and, and clerks are not trained to be able to counsel people, yeah. and so people are seen by the NGOs um, <coughs> at the courts, and they will assist people. Um, for people, any person for that matter, if you've had a look <coughs> at any government form, any form, I'm not sure if the intention is to make it um, (laughs) as difficult as they possibly can. But you need to read and reread a government form to be able to complete that properly. Mm -hmm. So when you're seeing a victim of violence and she needs to complete that, 
it's highly unlikely that she will be able to complete it on herself. And so this is where the role of NGOs is so critical mm -hmm. because we will not only counsel her, but we will also assist in completing those forms mm. for her. Also, certainly the role then of NGOs are then very, very important. Well, let's get a comment from Sizwe very quickly on what she Ham had said. And I want to just say to you that I have a friend also who I think it was sometime in this year went to Zim Zambia or Zimbabwe, I'm not too sure. Uh, also around this issue, uh, a conference around um, gender-based violence. Sizwe? Okay. Um, I think for me, it comes uh, back to what I've already said, that what is in paper in terms of the policies, the laws or the acts in our country is not what is actually happening on the ground. Because um, if, if you take for example that th there's no proper coordination with, within the justice system that is supposed to be a co coordination between Depart Department of Justice, Department of Health, uh, the police, uh, Department of Social Development, Department of Education. Uh, most of the time we're expecting that the police would know what to do when there's a case of gender-based violence. That is not mm -hmm. always the case because you find out that most of them are not even trained on the laws that are on the country. So how can you expect the person that is not trained on the law then to, to enforce that particular law? So that's one of, 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 of um, the challenges right there. And again, when it comes to they have these uh, nice policies and plans that are development. But when it comes to resources, because you, you can't just have a plan that is not costed. Because if the plan is not costed and there's no funding that is earmarked or allocated to that particular plan, that it will mean that the plan is not going to be implemented. So we're going back to have the acceleration of like gender-based uh, violence cases. And for me, I think it is high time that as South Africans or as the South African government, we, we don't we're no longer being reactive to mm. gender-based violence because that's, that's now what is happening. We need to be proactive to make sure that we have uh, prevention mechanisms in terms of how to prevent gender-based violence. Mm -hmm. How do we get to the interventions that usually work and make sure that we deal with the perpetrators? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm interested because I mentioned Zambia uh, for the simple reason that we mustn't think that it's only happening, for example, mm -hmm. within the borders of South Africa. Just my attention quickly to an SMS from 6945, which is Assalamu Alaikum. Everyone, thank you so much for addressing this particular topic. Nope, it's really not easy and one asks yourself, what is South Africa going to look like at the end of the day? Is it just a case of paper politics? The voice of the case. The burning issue with Ridwan Ahmed. Welcome back to the burning issue here on the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM and 95.8 in the Boland. Now, as we mark Women's Month, uh, the topic this evening focuses on gender-based violence and the level of impunity against women. Government's response in preventing violations and responding effectively once violations have occurred has been extremely pitiful, as we have seen recently with two high-profile cases. Now we continue the conversation with our guests in studio, and as we said, that is Shiham Samai, Sizwe Kulue, 
and Zerina Majid. Uh, but my attention very quickly to the SMS line. There's one here from 8403. It says, Assalamu alaikum. The women of legal center could not help my daughter because the people there knew my daughter's husband and he is a lawyer and they could do nothing and for eight years he abused her after the divorce she was put in jail by him and his new wife who is a prosecutor and now at this moment they took her house and i'm a sad mother they don't trust anybody in this legal system even the magistrates in court is corrupt my daughters study with these magistrate law and they are the people that signed the order shame maybe you can help others but you failed my daughter well, once again a very big shukran to our listeners for their participation to the program another sms from 2837 says assalamu alaikum what about the wife or mom being verbally abused by the husband and the kids it started with the verbal abuse of the husband as the kids grow up it rubbed off on them all of them are doing it let's look at that one very very quickly uh Shihan, maybe it's a comment on the issue around verbal abuse or maybe Zarina, i don't know does it start there and then escalates do children really pick up on what the father does and then follows through maybe just from your experience uh, uh, uh as an ngo in this particular environment yeah. i think um sometimes one underestimates um how children live what they learn and so if a child has been exposed to a home where verbal abuse was considered to be normal mm -hmm. um, if dad was using that um, abusive kind of language um, children are more prone to pick up that as well mm -hmm. as being normal um, and as you correctly said it does escalate it might take months it might take years but it does eventually escalate um, into physical violence as well mm -hmm. and so one should not ignore any any kinds of verbal abuse um, and and so the same goes for any emotional or psychological abuses what we often call the silent killers mm -hmm. so these are the things that that women sometimes feel it's difficult to prove um, in court when they're applying for a protection order um, and so this is where counseling becomes critical but i think going back to your question around can kids pick it up yes most definitely they can okay another sms here says it is because the one gets away so the rest know they cannot they, they can follow because nothing will happen sadly the government is creating their own barriers and are their own worst enemy at the moment what's going to happen when the problem hits rock bottom whilst already our society is screaming begging and pleading for help who will be doing the mop-up work a situation which is so unnecessary sadly it is as though they want to destroy themselves uh, let's look at another question very very quickly um, and I'm gonna put this to Shiham. Uh, Shiham the government do they have good policies on gender-based violence and why is implementation so problematic i'm latching on to what Cizwe said earlier paper versus implementation let's get your thoughts i can say i mean south africa has one as some of the best laws mm. um in terms of of gender-based violence violence against women um around sexual offenses it's got a, a transformative constitution it's got all the rights in there um i mean we've got the domestic violence act We've got the Sexual Offences Act. We've got the Protection of Harassment Act. We've got the Children's Rights Act. We've got so, so many acts. Um, there's the Older Persons Act. 
um, that that is all of these acts is there to protect um, uh, a people from 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 abuse. And then besides that, we also have the court cases that I was talking to you about that um, try to strengthen the protection of of um, of, uh, 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 of the of women or, or, or to protect women from gender-based violence so we have all of that but like i've said earlier for me there's a missing middle the missing middle is between these laws and these cases that is all up there and then you have these services which is so much required on the ground and we're talking about we have all these high impact cases but it's it's not getting out of the the, the law books and we need we, we women are still being sent from pillar to post to be able to um, access and I think there's few legal services for women and I would say I don't know what happened but over the past I would say 10 years something has happened around the lack of legal aid services but I would also say the lack of funding in relation to gender-based violence mm. um, and and I think there's a backlash I think that there is something more and I think something drastic needs to happen and we need to place gender or women back onto the agenda. Mm -hmm. It needs to become center again because something happened over the past 10 years and I think that how do we ensure that the gains in our constitution and all of these laws actually it's meaningful for the people on the ground that it's not paper laws. And we need to be able to say that government needs to put the appropriate budgets there. You have a woman, for example, that comes for domestic violence interdict. They have to go to Mosaic to be able to complete the form. Because you have a legal aid South Africa that does not provide legal services to women in terms of application because they assume that there is a system that is working. That system does not work. So they will only provide legal services once the other party has got a lawyer. Now, how absurd is it if that person gets an attorney, in terms of the system, it means another postponement. And so we need to get it right from the beginning. When those forms are completed, it needs to be done properly. Mm -hmm. I think Sizwe also mentioned the issue around the resources. But Sizwe, let me ask you uh, your view around the issue of the government. Do you think they have an understanding, not necessarily an in-depth understanding, but at least some understanding of the realities of marginalized women in South Africa? Uh, okay. In my view, I think they do. Because if they don't, I don't think we would have um, the relevant laws. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's the, the laws are there, but what I, what I don't see is the actual commitment and willingness to implement those laws or policies. Okay, but now why do you think that is, in your view? I'm putting you on the spot, I know. I'm, I'm not really sure, because I think for me, it's because of maybe it's the part patriarchal system that we're having mm -hmm. for me it goes back to the that who is in power and some of the people use different things to hide uh, behind they use uh, religion they use culture mm -hmm. they use their positions to not actually deal with the issues like the practical issues on the ground and i think in addition to what um 
my colleague from Women Legal Center was saying, the other gap that is there, especially in terms of the funding, because we say we're having those laws, but if you look at the laws, they are not user-friendly. The ordinary person on the ground cannot take the law and unpack it and understand it. Mm. So for me, that's where civil society organization comes in, mm. because they could take those laws and go to the community to say to them, this is actually what your Sexual Offences Act mean to you. This is how you can, if you, you, you encompass verbal uh, uh, abuse, emotional abuse, any kind of abuse, this is what you have to do. These are the, 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 the steps and the referrals. Because if we say that like we develop these laws or enact them and leave it there, then they could they will take dust on the on the on the shelves. Mm-hmm. But ordinary people wouldn't know what to do if well, they in on those situations. I haven't seen those forms, but my question then is are those forms available, for example, in the official languages of South Africa? Do you find it in English? Do you find it in Afrikaans? And do you find it for example in Isikosa. And even if you do find it in those languages, the question which Zarina raised is around how easily does it, is the, are those forms then to interpret. On that patriarchal note, as per Sizwe, we're going to go for a quick ad break and when we come back we'll continue with the program called The Burning Issue. The Voice of the Cave. Welcome back and we're discussing gender-based violence and we ask the question when will impunity end as we know violence against women has reached pandemic proportions and gender rights activists believe that marking women's day and women's month is a futile exercise now in this segment we are going to chat to dr elizabeth larue from the unit for religion and development research at stellenbosch university uh, doctor very good evening to you thank you thank you so much for having me okay thanks for 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 being with us uh, doctor you've heard part of our discussion uh, obviously i think and then obviously you know our, our, our content is gender-based violence and we asked the question when will the impunity end now the question that I'm on, I want to start with, with Doctor is, so, and we've spoken about it, but maybe just give us your view on it. South Africa has good laws protecting women and vulnerable people, but no implementation. Why is this so? Well, um, I think I think it's not as easy as a as a as a one line answer. I think there are a variety of factors, um, but I think concerning our discussion, I think one of the biggest factors is the lack of political will um within our, our leadership our budget allocations uh, the attention and the agendas that are that are prioritized um women's rights and and addressing gender-based violence is just lacking so mm-hmm. I, I i would say a very big contributing factor is the lack of political will i think if it was there we would see the money we would see the examples from our leadership, we would see the pressure, um, we would see the implementation happening, um, but it's lacking. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to chat around the issue and I'll ask my panelists in studio as well the question, but I want to start with you, Doctor. Maybe in your view, can you give us an idea why in your view there is a low conviction rate of gender-based violence perpetrators and an even lower number of victims confident enough in the legal system? Well, 
I think your panelists have been discussing it the whole evening and identifying um, so many of, of the factors. I think we have a low conviction rate because we have low reporting. We have low reporting because women don't feel safe. If 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 I experience gender-based violence, um, I will not report the matter if, if I don't think I'm going to receive justice. So I think in the first place we have few women reporting because what value will they be to reporting? We have low conviction rate because our our um, reporting procedures, our, our follow-up from our police, um, I don't think it's the issues in, in well, first, I think in, in many of our police stations, we, we don't have officers that are trained to follow the necessary um, evidence trial and, and all of that so that it stands up in court. Um, I, I think the issue of, of, of just the implementation of, of an investigation is lacking. So I don't think we have the trained personnel, maybe not always not being trained. Again, I think lack of will at times. But I don't think it's a simple, though, you know, I could talk for a long time blaming our, our, our leaders and, and police. I think society also needs to take um, responsibility for what we are contributing to. Mm-hmm. Um, On the issue. On the issue, Doctor, of, of society and taking responsibility, uh, as you said, you've been tuning in, we spoke about two high-profile cases, for example, uh, the issue around former Minister Manana and then also uh, First Lady Grace Mugabe. Uh, what is your take on these cases? Well, <laughs> in terms of Manana, I think it is absolutely shocking that it was two weeks before he resigned. I think it's shocking that he was allowed to resign, that he was not fired. I think it was an amazing opportunity for the government to show some backup going, to show some commitment to addressing gender-based violence. And for two weeks, they just tiptoed around the issue. Um, I, I wonder what would have happened if it was not a woman that he beat up in public, but a man that he beat up in public. Um, if the response would have been different from, from our government, from the ANC, um, that, you know, women beating is a private matter. Uh, so so I, just on so many levels, I think the response to Manana, the fact that he's still an ANC, is <laughs> shocking. Um, in terms of, of Grace and Gabi, I there are different factors involved here, but I, I would agree with what has been discussed. Um, again, it's, it's the agenda of, of women's rights and addressing violence against women, gender-based violence, that is consistently being seen as less important than other agendas mm-hmm. and, and not receiving the necessary attention. Okay, my attention very quickly to the WhatsApp line. There's a message here that says the problem is that they are very far from the people on the ground and when policies are implemented, there is a lack of consultation. It is implemented top down, not bottom up. Do many even understand or know how to fill in these forms? Well, that's another question from one of our listeners. Another SMS here from 9043 says, Assalamu alaikum. You so rightfully say the acts. That's exactly what it is. Because the perpetrators get away with a slap on the wrist and the women and children are being more abused than ever. Uh, let me just get Shiham in and I think of air I spoke to you and I asked the question. Uh, 
sentencing with regards to perpetrators is that sufficient uh is there something that can be done uh more or, or maybe just your comment on that well um the act actually makes provision for a, a range of um you know in terms of the process um what they can be charged with um when it goes to the criminal justice system but let me just first get to the domestic violence interdict in itself um the court can make a range of orders mm-hmm. um and this is now before you even get to the criminal justice system that is if the party the perpetrator at this point in time don't um, uh, um, adhere to that particular order but let me step back first if people don't know how to complete this form they won't know that you can actually get monetary relief they don't know that you can get because many times women go back because of they they shoulder the responsibility of the children of maintenance of taking the kids to school of housing and so if you don't know that you can actually get the person out of the house firstly secondly you can ask for an interim order that the person pays rent even the bond um, so that it can help you to get through the process because if you don't put that in women go back just to be able to ensure that they, that they can feed their children it's as simple as that so it's very important that we need to have appropriate shelters department of social development needs to support more shelters because it doesn't take a person two months just to be able to get off the ground they need to be able to get shelter but then get into formal housing because more times than not they will go back because if they go through the process the challenge is that there's no resources so we need to be able to use the interdict to ensure that the woman understand how long it's going to take what is the particular process and what is it that she can get out of that particular particular process and more importantly you need the psychosocial support from organizations like power mosaic um and so many other to be able to give the woman the strength to go through the process if the person then you do get your interdict but then if there is abuse of that interdict it goes to the criminal justice system and that is where the person can be sentenced for a range of um uh, uh, um uh, for 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 um because they they abuse the interdict but also for other things which is for assault for a decent assault because sometimes people think it's only the interdict if there was an assault you can also lay a charge of assault you can also lay a charge of um many others if mm-hmm. there was a rape involved uh, um those charges can also be laid in addition to getting an interdict okay, so can many I people get, don't know that can I just get Zarina's uh, 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 comment on, on that um I agree completely with what um Shiamas just said now um there's various things that that can happen but the, the issue around gender based violence like like Dr Lerouis just said now it is a very complex one mm-hmm. um and until such time that gender based violence is a priority on the agenda of the government there's very little that that we can do about that because it does have funding implications when you have departments that are responsible um for women and children for their affairs um in the process of cutting 
subsidies to organizations, it has a huge impact. So it's not just about cutting funding for a, a social work post or a social work or auxiliary workers post. Look at the, the number of people that that person actually serves. Mm-hmm. So you could have one social worker serving between ten to 20,000 people in a particular community. Mm. So it, it, it really is very, very complex. Okay, just my attention very quickly, uh, Doctor. Do stay on the line. My attention very quickly to the SMS line. There's one. It's a follow-up on one of our previous messages from eight four zero three. It says, "Assalamu alaikum. I need to know, is it true? I need to know, is it true if I speak out like this, can my daughter go to jail? Because in her court order it states, if one of us speaks badly about them, she go to jail." Therefore, her kids are now traumatized about this message I sent. Please advise, I am just an angry mother. Now, um, can I ask um, uh, Shiham, mm-hmm. uh, maybe just give a quick comment on that one. This relates to, I think, the earlier message mm-hmm. about, uh, we've got the gist of that. Shiham, quick response on that one. I mean, I, I think, I, I don't obviously know the entire matter. So, I mean, I'm just a bit reluctant to give legal advice. But, I mean, just by the information that I've seen is that obviously you can get an order which says that you can, the, the person can be stopped to do any form of verbal abuse or any psychological trauma. I don't know what, what the content is. But there are also provisions that says you can also to ensure that third parties must also not perpetuate that type of abuse so it it can happen the only thing is that in this situation we don't know who the person is mm-hmm. at this point in time so i mean i think it would be very difficult to be able to enforce that particular order if you don't know at this point in time who that particular person is because no names have been mentioned etc mm-hmm. but they need to be very careful but if that order is also but it's only if the perpetrator or whoever the order is against uses a third party so she never used for example this particular person to do the shit they did it out of their own which means i think it would be very difficult because there must be the link between the actual perpetrator and the third party that they are using okay so no i mean from the facts that you've given me I don't know everything else, but it's highly unlikely. unlikely. But as based on the information that was supplied, that the response has been given to that particular listener. Once again, a very big shukran to all our listeners for their participation. A message here says, Assalamu alaikum, Ridwan. It was previously mentioned that this is South Africa. Of course it is. You look after your own in this country, whether it is Manana, Mugabe, or even our number one himself. So blatant, so shameful, so sad, and that comes from Brother Mags. I'm going to say that the views expressed on the program does not necessarily reflect the views of the Voice of the Cape, its management, or the staff. Now, Dr. Elizabeth LaRue, Unit for Religion and the Development Research at the Stellenbosch University. Um, doctor, can I ask, maybe in terms of your research or in terms of your interaction, in your view, why does this culture of gender-based violence prevail? Well, um, again, uh, to make a long answer short, I, I think what we see pervasive, and, and I do this work in, in many different African countries and other parts of the world, is a, is a culture of patriarchy, that we see it in South Africa within our different cultures, that we see it within the different levels or institutions within our society. Um, 
And, and, and that's why I'm saying it's not just about uh, looking at government and government institutions, but we need to look within our societies, within our families, our religious institutions, our faith communities. Um, how do we construct men and women? How do we, what do we say is a good man and a good woman and an appropriate relationship? Because at the moment, the way our society, the way our cultures, um, the emphasis we put on, on what a man should be like and what a woman should be like, um, we empower men to the cost of women. Um, and, and, and then I think this culture, this patriarchal system, um, is, is, is a key issue that, that we, we talk about gender equality so easily, but it's not just about men and women having equal rights or equal access, but it's about genuine valuing of men and women the same, about seeing their value in terms of society, but also in our interpersonal spaces, seeing them as, as, as having equal value. Um, so there's really a moral ethical dimension to this in saying we need to transform patriarchy. This doesn't mean that we're saying men should be made less and women should be made more. It's, it's about really critically and openly looking at that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's what I would say. I, I think a key issue is, is, is how we see men and women. And what, what we see in our personal spaces in our relationships, our government and our government leaders are just um, very influential people acting out these same patriarchal ideas of what a man is and what a woman is and what what they're allowed to do. Mm -hmm. Can I ask Sizwe for a very quick comment? I know Sizwe, you also touched on the issue around the patriarchal system. Uh, but just to share with our listeners, I want to also ask about the cultural issue, simply because she's here in cultural attire. Uh, Sizwe, very quickly before we go for an ad. Okay. <laughs> um, I think in many cultures, especially the, the African cultures, men are said to be head of the homes. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so, then it means that they have the power. You, can, you can't question anything they will be doing. And most of the time, that's the challenge right there, whereby you can't question men and you have to follow suit or do whatever men are saying. So there's like a societal norm that that is right. And that unfortunately then violate the right of uh, women uh, and children and especially like um, young girls and even women so it's it's not right to because uh, cultures perpetrate that that kind of um, patriarchy to say that men are the heads of the house mm -hmm. so then they can do as they please okay but again for me another big challenge then is blind loyalty because that's the other thing if it comes to politicians because you are of the same party you protect each other and in so doing you, you're no longer upholding and protecting the the rights of the citizens of south africa okay on that citizens note let's go for a quick ad break and when we come back we'll continue with the burning issue the voice of the cake 
burning issue with Ridwan Ahmed. Welcome back and if you have just joined us we're chatting gender-based violence and we ask the question when will the impunity end for this discussion we have in studio with us Shiham Samai director for the Women Legal Center uh, Sizwe Kuluwe a program manager for championing health at Waki Health and Zarina Majid an advocacy manager at Mosaic then we are joined online by Dr Elizabeth Leroux who is with the unit for religion and the development the research at Stellenbosch University now um, just my attention very quickly to the SMS line once again uh, okay wait that's another one we're going to acknowledge the SMS from 9562 I'm just going to acknowledge the one from 9562 uh, doctor um, just maybe I'm not saying in wrapping up but what would a, a, a comment or a, a concluding remark from your side be uh, to us in the studio and our listeners out there um, I think whew, I think if we if we bring it back uh, to, to our discussions around the government what we really I think what we're missing and and your studio panelists have touched on this during the discussion but we're, we're really missing in government is a woman's caucus a body of politicians that have the political role and commitment to, to lobby and ensure implementation of, of legislation and, and budgets for, for addressing gender-based violence. Um, but I think, so, so we can't take the responsibility back away from the government. There is much that needs to be done by them. But I think if we look at w- w- this whole debacle with Manana, um, maybe it, it can be a positive thing, a, a ray of light that we see how genuine citizens' outrage about this actually led to an ANC politician resigning with all the corruption scandals and, I mean, disastrous actions in the past years where people just stayed on, this politician actually resigned. Um, so maybe it, it's, it's a good sign for us that, that yes, let's take the power back at least to, to some extent and, and start holding our politicians to account. Um, yes, so maybe ending on that positive note. Okay, well, uh, that is uh, Dr. Elizabeth LaRue, who's with the Unit for Religion and Development Research at Stellenbosch University. Doctor, thanks very much for your time and your contribution towards this program. We wish you everything of the best uh, with your current work, and we wish you a pleasant evening further. Thank you so much for having me. A very good evening to you, Doctor. Well, that was Dr. Elizabeth LaRue uh, giving her input. Uh, let's start with Zarina. Any comment from your side on what, you know, Doctor has covered or do you think you are covered in terms of what she had said? I think I'm covered in terms of what she had said, but um, maybe just to end off to say that we are not going to beat um, gender-based violence unless our approach is a coordinated one. Um, and by coordination, I'm talking about holding government to account, holding the corporate sector to account, and then also holding the NGOs to account. Um, and I think one one should look at what contributions each of these three departments um, does contribute to addressing GBV. At the end of the day, government are the people that we voted into power. So government has been mandated to protect its citizens, and that's all that we are asking for. 
um, do the job and do it right. Okay, I believe we are joined online now by Sangha, who is the coordinator for Seoul City Institute. Sangha, very good evening to you. Hi, good evening. Okay, let's see if we can get hold of Sangha once again, as we said. Hi there, Sangha. Good evening. I'm fine, thank you. Uh, fine, thank you. Uh, thank you for your time, uh, Sangha, as we said, coordinator for Seoul City Institute. We're chatting around gender-based violence and we're asking the question, when will the impunity end? We're looking at the whole issue around former Minister Manana and Grace Mugabe. Uh, what did your opening, well, your comment be around this particular incident? I think uh, when everyone takes responsibility, understands that it's, its impact. I think uh, as a society, we tend to minimize the impact of uh, gender-based violence. We understood what the impact is or, or, or for the victims, you know, and how they continue with their lives. Perhaps we would take it much more seriously. And secondly, I think as society broadly, rather than complaining, maybe we come up with ways of holding those who are supposed to take action very much accountable. Because we, uh, the recent cases that you are mentioning, you know, there's a sense, you know, that with power and privilege, you know, the rules change. Mm -hmm. For certain groups, the rules change. We understand what the rules are, what the laws are, but somehow the rules are flexible for those who have access to power. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me quickly, uh, um, Sangha, uh, what is your view on uh, a comment that the conviction levels in cases of gender-based violence and a sex, uh, a sexual assault cases, that is very low? It, it, it's shocking. I mean, I think we've all seen the, the report that came out from the Medical Research Council it's it's really shocking. Um, the first, the, 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 how, why it's shocking is because even the number of cases that are get uh, get reported, and then you look at how many of them actually get to prosecution stage, and then you look at them. Okay, they got to prosecution stage, and then how many of them actually there's a conviction? So it just it just gives you a picture of. Of, of of the huge number of cases that have fallen through um, fallen through the cracks. And and, and 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 it seems like our criminal justice system is not getting it right. It gets it right in terms of the policies perhaps that are put out there, but just in terms of the implementation, it's just not getting it right. Mm -hmm. And I think citizens have to really ask themselves, really question what will it take to get this right? Mm -hmm. Well, you're saying what most of our, our guests in studio are saying, Sangha, and they were saying we have the policies, the challenge is yes. really around implementation. A quick question, do you think the government has the political will to bring about a change? Political will is really, it really is critical. I think there's political will to put the right policies in place, but as we see with most things in the country, when it comes to the implementation, no one is held accountable. One of the things that we asked for uh, when we were running our state Texas campaign was that there must be a social cost 
uh, there must be some consequences if you are given the responsibility to effect these policies, to implement these policies for the benefit of the victims, and you do not do so. You must pay a price. There has to be a cost because the, the, the officials will continue to, to implement as they please because there's no consequence to, to that kind of action. Mm-hmm. So if, 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 we, if we begin to see people lose their jobs because they turn away rape victims or they tell them all, all sorts of stories, then perhaps we'll start to see a change of behavior. Okay, Sangha, do stay on the line. We're going to go for a quick ad break. And when we come back, we will wrap up the program called The Burning Issue here on The Voice of the Cape. With food prices on the up, Mother of Plain Food Emporium keeps them down. Come in and check out a large variety of meat, chicken, fish and grocery products. Get 10 kilo box A-grade chicken leg and thighs for 279.99. Fresh A-grade beef roast topside or silver side at 79.99 per kilo. And fresh chicken fillets at 49.99 per kilo. Mother of Plain, in Town Center Mitchell's Plain. Call 021-391-3096. A-grade, top quality and affordable prices only at Mother of Plain. For the best barbecue, you have to visit Saleh Barbecue Tonight Restaurant and Takeaways in Lansdowne. We are the Tikka Specialist and our Tikka Briani is simply awesome. We have the following specials available at both our branches in Lansdowne and Grossy Park over weekends. Get a steak or chicken burger with chips for only 30 rand. A full chicken, large chips and three naan for only 110 rand. Remember, it's Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays only. Assalamu alaikum listeners. We have some amazing deals for you at Builders Wetton. Builders Pride Close Couple Toilet Suite for 599 rand. Low level toilet pan for only 169 rand. Self assemble cupboards 1.2 by 2.1 in cherry for 1950 rand. Isotherm roof insulation 50 millimeter thick for only 295 rand. And don't forget you can now collect your own packy load of sand and stone at our Wetton branch at a very competitive price. These deals are also available at our Builders to Kai, Kenilworth and Northgate branches. So what are you waiting for? Get to Builders and get it done. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The The Burning Issue with Ridwan Ahmed. Welcome back then to the burning issue and we are on the tail end of the program. We've got about five minutes or so left. Uh, but before I fail in my, not fail in my duty, I say a very big shukran to our sound technical engineer and that is Faiz, that side of the microphone. I also just have to say a very quick birthday to my brother, Amin, uh, who celebrated his birthday. I'm not going to say how old he is, but Amin, happy birthday to you. May Allah grant you lots of khair and barakah, inshallah. And then also to put a send a donors on his birthday. Uh, I don't know how old he is either. I'm not going to say, uh, but yes, alhamdulillah, I've now just done my duty on that one. Uh, let's see, we still have Sangha uh, online. Uh, Sangha, uh, let's start with you uh, on a concluding remark. We've got about three, four or five minutes left and I've got uh, my three guests in studio as well. But I want to ask you, um, you know, just a concluding remark or comment from your side uh, that you wish to share with our community. I think for us as as an organization that focuses on social justice and, 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 and our target is young women, so it's about changing the mindset of, 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 of the next 
generation, as, as we change the mindset of everyone of society at large, but we also invest more in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the next generation in terms of understanding how these things work and the power that they have and how they utilize that power to make sure that things work. I think as society, what we have done is we've let things slide. We've seen so many things, and there's a lot of high hysteria when things go wrong. But what we struggle to do is to have sustained action that brings about change. I think it's time we invest a lot of energy in sustained action that will bring about change. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that sustained action. Well, Asanga, a coordinator for Seoul City Institute, thanks very much for your time. We want to wish you a very pleasant evening further and say to you a very good evening, ma'am. Thank you very much. Okay, now I still have uh, Shiham in studio, uh, Zarina and um, Sizwe. Let's start with Sizwe very quickly. Sizwe, your concluding remark this evening. Okay, I think as Stop Genovale, Stop Genovale's campaign, we're calling for the government to have a national strategic plan on gender-based violence with cre- three critical priorities uh, to make sure that there's sufficient funding to resource services. Number two is to make sure that there is accountability mechanisms to make sure that there's monitoring and evaluation. And last but not least, implementation, implementation and implementation to make sure that we leave no one behind. I like that. Implementation, implementation and implementation. Let's get to hear from Shiham, our legal uh, fundi in studio. Shiham, from your side. Yes, from my side, I think we've said it over and over. It's implementation for me, it's about accountability. I think for me fundamentally it's that Parliament need to play the proper oversight role that they are supposed to. The executive is supposed to be accountable in terms of the laws that have come through and as civil society I think sadly but this is the role that we need to play now is to be able to ensure that we keep them accountable in terms of the, the, the laws that has come through in terms of parliament but I think also from the court side I think from the legal side I mean there's, it's much broader but I think we need to put more funding into the lack of legal services for women um, who has been impacted by violations reason being is that the court is one of the only institutions now that can keep the state accountable in terms of their failure in terms of violations and I think from civil society side we need to look at how we can collectively and I mean I know that sometimes people can say that the law is elitist and it costs a huge amount of money but we need to as a collective also as one of the components look at challenging the state in terms of the due diligence standards also in addition to that please I just want to end with this note no culture no community no religion is immune from the scourge of gender-based violence and this is not just about the state and I'm talking about our religious leaders our community leaders and not just our state leaders need to all be accountable and that is a standard that is set that we are saying enough is enough and we will and and they need to keep we need to keep them accountable in terms of all forms of um, gender-based violence. We cannot have leaders that is not gender-sensitive. Okay, Zarina Majid, from your side, your concluding remark. Um, I think my colleagues um, have said it all, mm-hmm. but I think we will continue to demand. We're going to be unapologetic about this. Gender-based violence needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed as a priority, and we are willing to work with government. 
but they really need to come to the table and get their house in order. Okay, well, I want to say a very big shukran and a big thank you to all my guests that I had in the studio uh, from Sizwe Kulue. Thanks very much to you, ma'am. Uh, I want to wish you a pleasant evening to Zarina and Shihama. Very big shukran to the two of you and all the best in your, as you continue your fight uh, for our youth and with regards to gender-based violence. I want to conclude and say I do like the phrase, there's no such a thing as a victim. Once you stand up, you become a survivor. On that note, from myself, Rido and Ahmed, my guest in studio. Until next time, do stay tuned to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape.